1: My guest today on the A Game podcast is Brandon Bateman. He's from the Bateman Collective. He is a specialist in SEO, PPC, Facebook, Google Ads, marketing, all the things related to that and to the inbound marketing. He's a good dude. Um, so I've, I've listened to a lot of different people talk about PPC and SEO and social media advertising to get inbound leads and generate motivated sellers to make a bunch of money in real estate. I thought he was one of the best conversations I found as far as it's confusing, you know, and I, I say it during the podcast, but stuff like asset protection and, and like, uh, you know, in inbound pay-per-click, all that kind of stuff. It, it's a little bit too confusing sometimes that I leave some of the conversations more confused than when they started. He shed a lot of light on some of these things that it was one of the most clear, concise one-hour conversations I've had on this topic that it made the most amount of sense for me, probably in the past. So I very much appreciated the content that he came in and gave, the tips and the realism and just the sincerity behind his answers with not trying to have an agenda behind what he does, but really just give a really good hour of, of good information for people and way whether they can actually understand and digest and then make some informed decisions on their own end. So very much appreciate him coming on. I- blew it today with this full disclosure. I tried to update my, my new laptop and I started it at four o'clock in the morning. And by one o'clock when it was time for us to do this, it still wasn't done. And then the computer wouldn't start. And then when it did start, it erased all my passwords and then I couldn't log on. So it was one of those days. And uh, he was so cool. You know, a lot of the times you're like, man, it's some professional, I apologize. And, he was so easy. He didn't make me freak out when I got on. So just for my own, you know, thing for I put my stamp of approval because sometimes you see people's true colors when stuff doesn't really go as planned. The guy couldn't have been cooler. He couldn't have been more easy going. Couldn't have been more accommodating. So I met him through Matt Andrews and Family Mastermind. Really liked what he had to offer there. Really liked what he was talking about there. The information that he gave. I reached out to him and was like, "Man, that was really impressive. I'd love to, to talk more." And he was nice enough to come on this podcast and give you guys an hour of absolutely free fire content. So once again, all his information is in the show notes, but the fee for having amazing people just like Brandon uh, come on and really give some fire information is to subscribe to this podcast and to engage in social media. So please, if you have not subscribed, just go to nicknicknick.com slash links, and you will find this podcast everywhere. The A-Game podcast, real estate investing for entrepreneurs, pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast, YouTube, all those fun things. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the podcast And as normal on nicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, you will see all the ways to connect with me on social media as well. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, all those different things. I will post three or four clips from this episode. The way that we continue to get great guests is for you guys to like, share, and comment on the stuff that I'm already posting. It takes minutes, if not seconds, to hit the like button, tag a friend, or hit the share button. And then that lets guys like Brandon Look and see that you guys appreciate the content that he gave, and lets other people see that they're getting seen, getting heard, getting enjoyed, and making a difference and an impact. And they want to come on and do the same thing. So the way we keep this party going is by you guys helping me make sure that it gets promoted and that it gets engaged with, and that people know that their stuff's getting seen, heard, loved, and appreciated. So please do that. You're scrolling on social media all day anyway. Hit a couple likes. Search for me if I'm not popping up on your normal feeds. Just Look for me at Nick You Invest and you'll see I start to pop up a little bit more. It really goes a long way. I'll return the favor as well as usual. Last but certainly not least, the whole point here is I want to do real estate together. So let's find a way to work together. Whether you want to buy some properties from me, you want to sell some properties to me, or you would like to find a way to partner or have no idea how we can work together, but you want to figure out how we can. All you have to do is text the word real estate, R-E-A-L-E-S-T-A-T-E to 516-540-5733. Or you can DM me the word real estate on Instagram and I will reach out and we will schedule a call. If you would like a free checklist on how to get more value to your buyers, if you're a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets to get your free checklist there as well. So thank you guys so much for coming on. Check out the show notes. Definitely reach out to Brandon and the Bateman Collective if you are interested in any sort of inbound marketing campaigns, SEO facebook instagram advertising to bring more clients bring more motivated sellers and get some great inbound leads see the show notes to connect with that i will have an affiliate link up there as well which will get you a little bit of a discount if you go to nicknick.com slash links link under the affiliates and i appreciate you guys coming on i appreciate him being such a good guy i appreciate him and just put on the family mastermind thank you guys so much for listening a game podcast have a great day All right. My guest today is an entrepreneur and a hella skier fighting out of Utah and a podcast host of The Basement Collected and a digital marketing specialist helping investors get motivated sellers through paid ads and SEO, as well as managing social media marketing and content creation. He started in college and has now become one of the go-to paid ads managers in the industry for some of the absolute biggest names and beasts in real estate and entrepreneurship circles. He has helped investors find success, including Josh and Tiffany High, Cody Hoffa, and Brent Daniels, and many members of the well-managed Collective Genius. Tons of guys come on from there. It's uh, always The best of the best is there, and he's associated with them. He's in 90-plus markets in three countries and counting. He's been featured on such amazing podcasts as Real Estate Disruptors with our friend Steve Chang, and we will give you all the ways to connect with him and see how you can help you get more deals done with inbound marketing like he's done for over $50 in revenue from many other real estate investors and wholesalers and and some of his current clients. Please welcome the founder of The Bateman Collected. A teammate up of creatives and data scientists and big picture strategists with one common belief that we can all achieve extraordinary results together. A man who specializes in data, a man who's extremely patient because I have made a complete debacle out of today. And he's been the nicest gentleman in the world to be patient with me. But we finally did it. We're on here. Welcome to the A Game Podcast, Brendan Bateman. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Dick. That's quite the intro. <laughs> I don't know where you got all that from.
1: But uh, I'm I, I do super my research. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, dude, I'm really excited to have you on. Again, I apologize. You've been so nice with my computer issues today, but I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, PPC is something that is extremely relevant to me and my business as well. And I believe you're probably the first PPC guy I've, on, I've had on here. And uh, again, the the list of people that have been shouting you out in the podcast you've been on, it seems like you are the black belt in PPC, SEO, paid all that kind of stuff. So we'll dig into all that. But for some people who may be not 100% familiar with you yet, can you give a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, I'm kind of the, the, the backwards real estate entrepreneur. Um, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. You'll If you talk to most people who have a service in the real estate investment space, the story is that the guy named Nick had like a real estate business and then he had this problem and then he solved that problem. And then he realized, hey, I could do this for everybody else in the industry. And then he launched another business. Uh, and that's like the path that everybody took, uh, which I really respect. But it's, uh, it's so different from my path because uh, I actually started in the marketing space. Um, and believe it or not, three, uh, I don't even know why, where the word three came from. Uh, like it was five or six years ago. Um, oh, it was three because it was my third client that, that I ever took on was actually Cody Hoffheim. Uh, <laughs> and that was my first introduction to the real estate space ever. So so how it worked was, a lot of people know Cody Hoffheim, but they don't know Mark Stuber. Mark Stuber is his business partner. Uh, you know, everybody kind of has that other person in their business that they wouldn't be person um because Cody would just run crazy and never actually get anything done. And then Mark's like the <laughs> guy that, like you know like the executor, right? Like the traditional like visionary integrator thing. Um so this guy Mark calls me up and says we work with most of the agencies in this space um in our little niche. We can't seem to find any that works. And, and he had gotten a referral from my second client ever <laughs> that I worked with, said that you should potentially work with us. Um, so we we figured it out. Um, and and I just continued with my business. We were just doing marketing, we were doing a lot of like technology and stuff like that. And then we had this one weird client that like, buys houses, and I was like, it was just the weirdest thing, um, to me because we're just always selling stuff, uh, not, not trying to, to buy stuff. Uh, and then two years later, Cody calls me up, um, and he says, I don't know if you know this. It was, it was three years later, actually. He says, I don't know if you know this, but the over the past two to three years. Uh, digital marketing, as a whole, has become our single highest revenue channel, our lowest cost per deal, our highest average deal spread, our lowest number of leads per deal, like everything in in our entire business. And I'm super excited about it, And I want you to come speak at my event. Uh, so I went to Cody's event, like this like higher ticket coaching thing, and and he basically said, the secret to my business is digital marketing. and the secrets of digital marketing is that you hire Brandon. And that was yeah. like the the like marketing section. Uh, and then we closed like every single person at the event minus one, like became a client and, and fast forward a year, I looked back at my business and and we had more of our clients in real estate than not without even trying just organic referrals that we kind of come from that, um, cut out the other side and now I'm just 100% in real estate. And then that's what we do. And we've been doing that for, for about two years. Now, super excited, love the industry. Uh, there's a reason we cut out the other side of our business because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as, uh, as exciting to me. Uh, I'm working with bigger companies. I love working with smaller companies, entrepreneurs, and, and like the hustle and grind of real estate investing, and making this business work, uh, the ups and downs of the market and the nature of the, the advertising, all that stuff is just something really interesting to me. Um, so I'm super excited to be in this industry doing what we're doing um, and working in, in so many different markets with our clients right now.
1: Man, I think that that's incredible. I'm always interested in that because it's almost like you got to get your foot in the door somewhere. And I tell people it's a little bit of a combination of what you know and who you know, but because you didn't have that much of a track record yet, did you say that Cody was able to take you on because you had such a good referral from your first one or the second one or the third one? Like, how did that connection come through that that early in your career?
0: Yeah, it was that. And it was also the, uh, the audit. This has been a tool that we use in, in sales for a long time um but we basically they had these concerns right and they were spending money on ppc um so i took a look at the account and, and basically built this whole plan of everything that we would change in order to get better results um and that is that is how i sold everything at the beginning because there was no reason to actually trust me because i hadn't done it before <laughs> but people trust the person with the plan sometimes <laughs> like i think track record's really good uh, but honestly the person with the plan usually fails but even a blind squirrel finds a nut and and i can tell you i uh, i searched for a long time to find those nuts in the beginning where you don't really have a track record Uh, but it only takes a few and and then things grow from there you know indirectly we could track most of the clients we have today from that one interaction um so it's uh yeah it it was you could say like very much life-changing for me that was at at that point when i talked to mark he didn't know this i was I was like trying to act like I knew what I was doing, but I was a sophomore in college. I um, <laughs> <laughs> hadn't even been accepted into like the, the marketing program in the school that I wanted to go to to learn about this stuff or anything like that. Uh, so that was just, I was young. It was really early in my, in my entrepreneurial career. And I didn't even really want to be an entrepreneur. I just wanted to learn about marketing and I just wanted to do that. Uh, and then I kind of got converted over time to, uh, to real estate, to owning a business, all that kind of stuff.
1: That's pretty awesome stuff, man. I, I love, I'm, I'm sure he knows at this point how effective that one, you know, client has been. I, I know he was just at our uh, shout out to Matt Andrews and the family mastermind. I just so Cody on stage there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Cody's awesome. He's been, yeah, he launched Joe Homebuyer, uh, which is like a, a national franchise, um, and they've been they've been doing fantastic. So yeah, he's been leveling up all the time and we've kind of been with them along that whole journey. So it's kind of fun. They've got this, uh, this franchise now, and, and uh, we do a lot of the marketing for a lot of their franchisees. And in that way, Cody's actually become a much larger client of ours as well.
1: That's really cool, man. You know, I was, uh, you, you mentioned something that I always think is interesting. I, I heard you, I'm trying to find the exact quote it was, but I often tell people, I don't really even consider myself somebody who buys and sells houses anymore. I consider myself somebody who really just analyzes data. Because when you know what data to look at, there really isn't any emotional decisions. Like the math and the data is going to tell you what to do, where to go, what not to go. like, and there's enough of it out there when you know to look for it. And I've heard you say multiple times that the data is king. I'm interested to hear a little bit about because you know the I was just talking to David Olds about this. Like a lot of the times the entrepreneurs, the visionaries, they don't like the granular data. But to me, like that wasn't my initial thing. Like I, I wouldn't have thought years ago that I would love it but I'm fascinated by it. Now I nerd out on it so much. So were you always a data guy? And is that how you like, how did that come into getting into digital marketing with your data brain into that to make the perfect storm? That's the Bateman Collective today.
0: Yeah, I, I would say more than anything, I'm a guy who likes to win. I know <laughs> that If you have the data, you win, right? So it's a, Like I'm a, if you you analyze my personality at all, I'm like a very outcome driven person and I will become whatever person is necessary in order to get that outcome. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, so, so that said, I, uh, but I always have had like a natural, a natural knack for data and, and knowledge and, uh, I'm sorry, logic, uh, and understanding that really well. Um, I also think that data has different meanings to different people. And it's especially interesting when it comes to the digital marketing space, because data is really what drives all of digital marketing, even more so than than people think. Um, There's a lot of hype right now around like chat GPT and Jasper, you know, all these like language models, which is just really mostly built on a subsection of artificial intelligence called machine learning. And machine learning is basically a capability of machines to learn, right? I know that sounds like really basic <laughs> and people forget that, right? Cause they think like AI is just a genius thing. That's not exactly true. It's just capable of learning. And that's, what's new about it. it it's not just as smart as what you program into it. It can actually take in data and it can learn from that data. So people look at like chat GPT and they say, it's so smart. The reason it's smart is because it read the entire internet, right? As of like 2021 or whatever the case is, right? That's how it knows that it knows. But then you get into marketing and we're in a different world because all these models that we use, they don't have data outside of the data that we give them. So that teaching of the model, that is our responsibility. And, and that's really so much of what we we do at David Collective and, and what digital marketers do these days. It's about cleaning, like, it's about reporting, right. reporting that data. And it's about training algorithms to get smarter at trying to find the things that you want to find. If you picture, like, like I have a, I have a 20, maybe one month old daughter or something like that. She's, she's around that age, right? You look at uh, you look at a child like what's the difference between a child and an adult generally um, like developmentally there's going to be some things but the how does a child even know something right like how does my daughter know that a bus is yellow she knows because she kept on seeing different things and learning that those were yellow and she started to understand what what the word yellow means and she started to understand that it's kind of a color and things that sort of look like that they're that um, and the same thing happens with Google for example and motivated sellers. Google doesn't know what a motivated seller is until you start feeding it more and more information. And over time, it starts to get a better picture and it matures and it starts to understand this looks like a motivated seller, that doesn't. And it starts to be able to help, help you find those better. So that's really like the, the foundational piece of, of most of the marketing that we do is how can we track that data better? How can we make these algorithms smarter so that they can find more and more of what we're looking for? instead of us just brute forcing an ROI. And when I say brute forcing an ROI, I mean, thinking I'm the genius. I want people who are on this list and have these characteristics, et cetera. Right. What can we do to give the algorithm the information it needs? And then from there, it can show us exactly what a motivated seller is.
1: So I think that's really interesting because it's going to come full circle to kind of what you do, but that whole ask better questions. You know, a lot of people that start out and they go, well, I'm just gonna put some money into some Google ads or whatever. And they don't even know like what to think about, to ask, to train the AIs to to learn what they wanna learn. Like it's, there's so many moving pieces to it. You know, I tell everybody like, man, McDonald's like, who can make a better hamburger than McDonald's And everybody raised their hand. I'm like, well, why aren't you a billionaire? Like there's a lot more to it than just making the hamburger. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like that's where you come yeah. in. A lot of that stuff helps, but you know, backing it out just like a base level. I know like the three pillars of kind of what you do come from like paid searches, organic searches, and then like paid social media ads type of stuff. So I want to definitely mm-hmm. talk about all three of those pillars individually. So starting out with like paid searches, Google ads, PPC, tell people for the ones that are new to that, and they don't know what it is. Like what, what exactly is that?
0: yeah great question and i think probably an even easier place to to start is like search in general right paid and organic together and and this is just search engines as you understand them right Um, turns out what someone types into google is more predictive of their behavior than almost anything else because that's how you read their mind right that's how you know what their intent is Um, what's more predictive of someone selling their house like they have all these different characteristics true about them and about the property or that they went to Google and they searched, how do you sell my house, right? That's really, really predictive of what they're gonna do. So the information that people end up finding on Google is gonna influence their behavior because they might look for a company to sell their house to. Um, and this is why investors love marketing there so much. So basically marketing on Google is the act of making sure that when people search something, that means that your business could monetize them well, it's making sure that you show up under those circumstances. Um, And the reason that investors like it a lot is because it's a completely different, uh, like you've heard of outbound marketing and inbound marketing. The way a lot of people would talk about it is outbound is like your your text and your cold call and stuff like that, where you're just chasing people. And then they can say inbound is like direct mail, TV, stuff like that. But still think about direct mail, TV, you still went to them first and then they chose to call you search engines are the most possible inbound form of marketing there's nothing more inbound because not only did they see your advertisement and then choose to reach out but they actually looked for your advertisement that's what they started their journey trying to find um so you get these people that are really intent driven um and there's a high likelihood that they're going to sell their house and it's basically the art of like those people are going to go on google and they're going to find someone to do business with um, marketing on search engines is the art of making sure that you're the company that they find that they end up doing business with um, because there's only going to be so many people showing up there and you want to make sure that you're one of those
1: that's awesome man i more and more for people who don't understand the inbound versus outbound like if not for the investor and for the your your, your wallet for your teams i just see more and more people being like dude outbound's good and all it's cheap like i get leads he's like but my team is like so drained like whereas like you switch it to inbound and you know I, I use the example of like dating i can go out and ask everybody in the room if they want to date me and i'm going to get a ton of people who are like i don't want to date you you're too short for me i don't know who you are i hate jujitsu but if it's like it's inbound they call me and it's like i get to sit back and like i'm in control so it just makes such a difference for like you might have less conversation but you can have better conversations and that's only going to help you make more money with less stress
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's an incredible way to do it. And and of course lead quality always varies, right? You're always going to have those people who come to you and then when you call them back, they never, they never answer their phone or something (laughs) that That always exists. But on average, those leads will close faster than any other leads and a higher percentage will close than any other lead source generally. And the spreads tend to be larger, right? So on every, on every level, the, the lead quality can be better here. Um, so, so the, the natural question to ask would be like, well, how do you actually show up there? And there's two ways. That's kind of where those two channels come from. The the first one is paid. You can actually pay Google to show up in those searches. It's called PPC, pay-per-click advertising. When someone clicks on your ad, you pay. Uh, and there's this whole science of making that all really efficient, and that's kind of what we manage. But PPC is loved because you can, you can pay the money and you can get the leads. And there's... a uh, with any marketing channel you want to give it a good runway you want to be consistent with it you want a good sample size but it's not like uh you ppc is really slow to start getting leads it could be it could take some time to ramp up and optimize but the money you spend today gets you leads today the other side of that is seo seo is actually our highest return on investment channel across our clients um but over years not over months so seo it stands for search engine optimization. And this is basically using Google for what it's made for, right? Google as a search engine is made for when someone goes and they search for something, it's Google's job to give them really relevant and authoritative information for what they're looking for. Because if Google doesn't do that, then they're not gonna go to Google again, right? And that's why people use Google is because Google's good at that. When you search for things, you generally find them and you get good information. So you have to convince Google that you are that, right? Because if you search for Sell My House fast, you're gonna find like 6 billion websites or, or at least pages on the internet that are technically relevant to that in some way. Um, so how, what makes one of the pages show up at the top and then the other one show up number 6 billion, it's going to be the con it's going to be basically how relevant and how authoritative does Google think that it is. Um, SEO is the game of making that your website that, that Google views as relative relevant and authoritative. And the brilliant thing is when you get that, you, you don't actually pay for each individual click Uh, or you don't pay to be there. You're just earning your way to being there, Um, which means it's really cost-effective. But the downside is all the things that make you relevant and authoritative are not things you can pull off in a month, right? Because what, like Google's not going to trust the company that popped up a month ago, right? And there's all these different things where like the longer you build it up, the more trusted you become. So SEO is a long-term game. And because of that, it scares some people away. But if you do get rankings, that's like the real estate of the internet, right? You're there, you're yeah. right? You're on that spot. And it cash flows. And it appreciates because more and more people end up searching that every year. Um, so, so SEO is kind of the, the ultimate like evergreen strategy versus PPC is a quicker strategy um, that tends to give you the same kind of leads, but without near as much of a delay.
1: That's a fantastic answer, man. I, I have some uh, some good follow-ups to that on both sides. And we were talking a little bit before how I was, I was saying like, dude, you're you're relevant because I would literally be making this phone call and then just asking you questions. Cause I'm looking to use your services anyway. So we kind of joked around, like it's almost like a sales call, but uh, a few of the things <laughs> that I think just, you know, naturally make a lot of sense here is like first starting with PPC. One of the things that I find is like when I talk to new investors and even me, like when I first started, and I, I've done it a little bit and then stopped. And done done and stopped a little bit inconsistent, but you get the guys who contact you and they're like, man, I'm the Google ads guy. I'm the PPC guy. And the only way, I've been able to really tell. It's like you got to give them like 10 grand. And then sometimes that 10 grand is gone in like 10 minutes. And you're like, all right, well, obviously they had no idea because, you know, my clicks were there's a million different things that I, I don't even have enough information to, like we were saying, ask the questions to figure out who's good, who's bad. So, what are some things to look for in a good PPC provider like yourself? Oh, that is a good question.
0: Um, actually, <laughs> it's funny. I just had Trevor Trevor Mock in, on my podcast yesterday it asked him the same question. Cause I'm like, I don't know the answer to this question. What do you think the answer to this question is?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he had a, Yeah, the perspective that I think is really valuable. Um, and I'll, I'll steal a little bit from him <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, obviously like one thing that he started with that I wouldn't have said that I thought was really neat um, was core value fit is one of the main things that you want between you and the vendors that you work with. Any partnership that you're gonna have, you need to have that good core value fit, um, even the above the results, potentially. Um, Because it correlates with how how do you want to do business long term, right? So I thought that was interesting. Um, But beyond that, I think things that are really important track record, um, which is a hard one, right? Because like I once upon a time didn't have a track record and still got people to hire me. But um, it's uh, so, and maybe they were fools, right? Because there's a lower likelihood of that working out. Like everybody needs to start somewhere. Um, But I think you want to find a company that can demonstrate the results that they're going to for clients. And people get this mixed up, right? They think, what they want is a company that tells them what kind of results they're going to get. You have to think like, what's the difference between a spammy business and one that's really good, right? You look at a lot of like the scammy or info marketing businesses, what they're going to tell you is you are going to achieve this thing. And it's going to be wrong a lot of the times, right? Versus you look at like a marketing business that's really well respected, like Harvard, for example, right? This is a, this is a, info marketing business that has been around for like a really really long time right what do they do they don't tell you you're going to accomplish this they say this is what our average student accomplishes this is the total data of what happens right there's a huge difference between um, the person like just saying like this one investor did really well with us versus being able to say on average this is what investors achieve with us and the reason that's different is because even the casino could have case studies about how people can make tons of money there that doesn't mean it's good a good idea to go put all your money on black at the, <laughs> the roulette table right just because it worked for somebody right but on average people are losing money doing that versus harvard university on average people are leveling up their life doing that right there's a difference and you know that could be debated but the point is there's a, there's a. I uh, i think the company should be able to produce what they're doing um and If they're honest, they shouldn't tell you too specifically what you're going to accomplish, but they should be able to show what they're accomplishing other places. Um, Not just the best scenarios, but the entire picture of the good and the bad. And that together should be something good. So I think track record is really important. Um, And then I think the the other most important thing, you just have to think like the person who's the best in the world at something. What do all those people who are the best in the world at what they do, what do they have in common? Um, And one thing that tends to be in common is consistent effort and the way that so many companies do this is like i'll give you an example with like athletes for example right the fastest runner in the world isn't the person who five years ago five years ago figured out how to run really fast because they cracked the code to running fast and now they just run the fastest in the world ever since right it's the person that puts in that effort consistently on a daily basis over a long time, being just that 1% better every day. And because they've done that for so long, now you can't just like go run 23 hours a day and catch up to them because you're just going to accelerate super fast, right? So so it's uh, how this kind of takes place in marketing is a lot of people say, well, I, I learned this strategy and it worked in this time, in this market for this client. And now what we do is we do that same thing. And we duplicate it everywhere. And it's this message that sells, right? Cause it's like, oh, it'll work there. It's gonna work for me. The company that's the best in the world at it doesn't do that. What they do is they're constantly testing every single element that needs to be tested. Something I'm really proud of in our company. We have not spent a single dollar on ads that hasn't been on split test. Meaning there was a hypothesis and a control over the past five years and We spend a lot, a lot of money on ads. And we've done tons and tons of split tests because we're always iterating, trying to get just a little bit better. Because for us, if we could find a way to get half a percent better results for our clients, then it's worth it because we have so much leverage because there's so many companies that influences. So I would say that those are the the things that I would look at. Like Yeah, core values and that trust, the track record. But it's not just about what they did in the past. It's about what rate are they innovating because this should be a long-term partnership. So you want the company that's going to always stay ahead of the market. Um, because that's how you get the outsized returns. And and I think finding a company that really puts that data first and that testing is really important.
1: If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties. Whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's awesome, man. I think that, that's a great answer. Man, that, that was really great info. So a couple other things that I think are super interesting because It seems a little backwards to me. I I heard you talking about it, and I found it fascinating because for some of the guys like the Nick Perrys of the world and the David Owls and the guys that are doing like the national wholesaling, and they're using PPC to kind of do that, my thought process was it would be cheaper to do it in one or two counties so you can like hone in, but what I was hearing you say was it's actually more affordable to do it nationwide which doesn't make any logical sense to me. So talk a little bit about the difference between guys that are looking for like, where do I start? What do I do? Like, what are the pros and cons there for using PPC and, and stuff like that for local versus national marketing?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're, you're not unique in your view of that. Like that's like usually people's default, right? Cause it's like, I'm gonna dominate this one thing and that's how I'm gonna get exceptional results. Um, but this is, it, it, it's kind of unique in the way it works. So, so picture it like this: um, to get paint a picture of how Google functions. Uh, every time someone searches on Google, there's an auction. So the person searches, and then after that, all these computers put in these bids of what they're willing to pay for the click. And then the order of those bids is what dictates the order where things show up in Google and the paid results. And that art of bidding is kind of a, a large piece of, of the art of getting PPC right, um, but with a standard auction process, if you bid really, really high, you're really likely to win the auction, right? And then you're also gonna pay a premium price at it. Versus if you bid really low, right? We could call that like a lowball bid, then you're going to be really unlikely to win that auction. Um, so the, the name of the game is if you're in just one market, for example, or just one county or one code, or whatever the case is, if you have a certain amount of volume that you need, you have to bid really high in order to get that amount of volume because you have to win a lot of those auctions versus if you're going to be really widespread geographically picture this like if you just go and find all the properties in the mls right now and submit an offer on every single one of them at 50 percent of market value if you have enough that you send out you're going to get one accepted right and if your goal is just to uh, like let's just say your goal is just to get one house If you're going to submit 10,000 offers, you could bid at like 50% of value and get that one. But if you're, um, if if you just need one house and you only have 10 that you could bid on, then you might have to bid at like 95% of market value in order to get that accepted. Right? So that's why PVC gets cheaper as you go wider because you get really aggressive at the way that you're valuing the inventory and you try to buy at a deep discount.
1: That's the best answer I have ever heard to that question. Well, thank you. I'm That's the first sense. time I feel like I actually understand why that makes sense now, dude. That was see, this is why you're good at what you do. I like it. That was, that was awesome, man. So, going on the uh, on the flip side of that, now when we talk about uh, you know PPC and marketing and data and stuff like that, what are some like key data points that as a real estate investor we should be looking at to know if it's a market that we want to go at, or if it's a place we want to be investing, or if our stuff's working? Like, what are some KPIs and data points that we should be paying attention to? yeah that's a good
0: question and it's actually it's a really hard one to answer because it's a little bit different for everybody um like people i've had people ask me like this guy i know he's doing really well can i just use like locations similar to his and i'm like okay sure and they just bomb right they get a lot of leads but with their exit strategies and their buyer relationships or whatever the case is they have 90 percent of their contracts fall through or something like that right so it's really going to depend on where you're able to operate, and a lot of that has to do with dispositions, because that's one of the hardest things when you start to expand into new markets, is if you don't really have the buyers in that in that case. So there's a few things I would look through. We we take our clients through like a market selection process where we have a lot of data on the individual markets, and we help them select because we have data on like what their what the average deal spreads are in these different markets. Um, we have data on how well they work for different exit strategies and stuff like that that we kind of know. Um, like for example. You could take a market like Chattanooga, Tennessee. That is a market where if you want to wholesale and you're not from there, so you're just going to, you located wherever you are, just going to go to Chattanooga and you're going to start spending some money there. Like So if you don't know the buyers and stuff, you're going to have a kind of hard time wholesaling there because there's not a ton of cash buyers. Um, but if you're going to do anything that touches the MLS for your exit strategy, be that a flip or a wholesale or innovation, whatever the case is, then you can sell stuff on the MLS easy in Chattanooga, right? But it might not be a perfect wholesale market if you're not familiar with it. So generally, the more exit strategies our clients have, the wider we can go geographically, and that brings the lead cost down even a bit more. So, so usually what we're looking for, um, like let's just say we looked at all the markets available in the United States. How do we start whittling that down? Um, often we would cut out attorney states. People hate attorney states. Um, so, and attorneys are the worst, especially New York, the worst attorneys are <laughs> Um, How bad on the record. And then, the uh, like from there, then you might start whittling out some states that have problematic laws, like Oklahoma, where you kind of need a license to wholesale. Um, the same thing's kind of true for Illinois. Um, there's more and more of those popping up now. Uh, so you start to whittle those out because for national players that are virtual, like you can, if you want to play in those areas, be my guest, play in those areas. A lot of people don't want to because it's a pain in the butt. Um, and then you might start to whittle out areas that don't fit your, uh, your buy box in terms of what uh, what kind of spreads you want, um, like you might cut out a lot of the Midwest, if you want to be doing at least 20 grand deals, because you're not going to get there in the Midwest, um, and you might be focusing on some of these, some of these hotter markets. Um, and then from there, it's a uh, population. Um, like if you're wholesale, you need really high population areas versus if you, if you're willing to take anything to the MLS, then, then you can work in usually markets even that are pretty small. Um, and then there's kind of like rural areas right do you kind of like cut out the rural areas surrounding the city and stuff like that right and and that's especially important if especially if you're doing wholesale if you're novating or something it's not quite as important so we kind of take our clients through this process of just like whittling things down and there's a few different strategies that ends up in for our uh, for our national clients usually we have people doing high volume wholesaling that are in like the top 20 markets or something like that or we have people doing stuff like novations in the hotel that are really widespread across a hundred or more markets. Um, it's really common to be in like either end of that spectrum, because both of those are sort of like the widest you can go for that exit strategy and you're always going to get the most leads in the widest scenario. So it's kind of like how wide can you go before you officially step into like a different business territory in terms of how you have to do dispositions. Uh, does that add a little bit of clarity?
1: Dude, that was, that was money right there. There was a ton of great info. That that was an awesome answer. Cool. Very good stuff.
0: stuff. Talk about it, but there's a, I mean, everybody has a different thing that they're looking for. Um, But, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's kind of knowing where you're going to succeed as a business from dispositions. But my, my argument is always like a lot of people want to know where am I going to get the most leads, but you don't want to think about it that way because you're always just going to get the most leads in the most areas. Right. So what you really want to think is like, what can I handle? And still get a really good revenue per lead and then i'll do the widest form of what gets me that and that's kind of the most optimal way that way you're not unnecessarily narrow for your exit strategy therefore you have a disadvantage you want to have the widest possible targeting considering what you're trying to do if you want to go after that national model the other model is like single market you spend more per lead but you just nail the acquisitions because you do it in person you nail dispositions because you know all the buyers in the area and you have great exit strategies. Maybe you're flipping them yourself in the area. They're good crews. And you know, there's a, they're both viable models, but I'd say just get the benefits of, you want to fully reap the benefits of whichever model you're going for. So if you're going to be in one market, plan on a high lead cost and you're just going to be the best at monetizing those leads versus if you're going to go wider finding a lot more leads though you're not going to be the absolute best but you have to be acceptably good at monetizing those leads
1: that's awesome man you know and you're you're not in the easiest spot there when we ask you questions because you don't really, it's almost impossible to give like a silver bullet answer. It'd be like me saying like, hey and then across the whole country, like where should I go get good food? And then there's like, um, well, you know, are you allergic to anything yeah. Do you like Italian, you know, like there's a million different types of things, fine dining, fast food, dresser. So, so I, I appreciate that you were able to kind of cover a lot of that. Cause I know it could have gone in a hundred different directions. So sometimes people are like, just tell me the answer. It's like, it's not that easy a question. Like A isn't B equals C. So I, I like the way you handled that man. And now, uh, you know, kind of parlaying that one of the things I think is really cool is I've heard you talk a little bit about like your closed loop, I think you call it about how you actually watch how people like perform with some of the campaigns you've done. Having done that and studying the data, I I don't know if you do this or not. So, but if you look at that, I know you're getting inbound leads, but is there any sort of tracking for like out of these inbound leads, especially in the last like six, 12 months, most of the deals that are getting closed, the motivational reason that they call me was like divorce or pre-foreclosure or tax default or anything like that. Is there like some, some ones that stick out for higher motivation these days?
0: Ooh, that is a that is a good question. And I do not have an answer on that one off the top of my head, although I, I am kind of interested to, to look into that. The, the thing that would be hard would be gathering, is it divorce or pre proclosure et cetera? Because what we do a lot of, um, it, it, going to PPC from more traditional marketing channels requires a lot of a mindset shift because so much of what you do in other marketing channels is are they in divorce, pre proclosure et cetera? And that's kind of how you start to put people in boxes and you start to say like, this is what a motivated seller is. Going online, you don't target by that stuff anymore. You target by what are they searching? And the number of people that search like how to sell my house in a divorce, kind of uh, kind of low, right? The number of people who search sell my house fast and the underlying reason is that they're getting the divorce, but they don't say that. And you don't find that out until you're on the phone with them. Tons, right? You're just not, uh, they're just not on the list. Although the consistent feedback that I get from our clients, even those that have like really, really aggressive marketing in other places, is that so many of their PPC deals aren't on their list. And it's all these like mixed match people that you don't put perfectly into your boxes. Because people say, well, all the good deals out there are divorce and pre foreclosure, et cetera. But it's because they market to those lists and then they find those deals, right? But you don't know what else is out there. There's tons of people that are motivated for tons of reasons. Um, And search intent is kind of like the common denominator, right? Because why do you want one of those reasons? It's because it shows that they have intent to sell with urgency or in bad condition. But if you could just skip that whole thing and just know that they have that intent to sell with urgency or in bad condition, then, then it doesn't matter anymore. Um, so, so we do track that stuff like per keyword, for example, to understand how that impacts it, but very few of those like align really closely with the specific motivation point. Um, so we do have, uh, yeah, so I, so I guess we kind of, we have a lot of data that would predict if someone searches a particular thing into Google, what is the likelihood that they're gonna turn into a deal? We spend a lot of money and time figuring that out. Because that's how we put in our bids, right? We see, what is the percentage likelihood that this person is going to be a deal for us? And then we tell Google, we're willing to pay this much, because we know what we're bidding on, and the value it's likely to have to us. Um, but the connecting that the motivation points, we don't, we don't have.
1: It makes sense, though, because when I hear you discuss it like that, again, you, you, you're giving me a lot of clarity on this topic that I've, I've heard before that I've never it's never clicked the way that you're explaining it to me. So I, I very much appreciate it. you're doing a great job. So the way I kind of thought of it with the way you just said it was, it's almost like if I'm trying to find out like, well, why does somebody want aspirin? You you actually don't care like if their headache is because they have a hangover because they dehydrated. You're just saying, hey, look, all we know is that they're putting in that they have a headache. So you want to talk to them. You don't care what, what actually caused the headache. They have a, a financial headache. They want to sell their house. All that other stuff doesn't matter. We've kind of just bypassed that whole thing and gone right to like, speeding up that process. So that actually makes a ton more sense. It's like, why do you really even care? All you care about is there's something wrong there, get them on the phone and find out what it is.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you'll find, I mean, it'll, you'll often find that some of those leads have those motivation points and it comes up in the sales, but it's different that it doesn't start with that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it, yeah. So those, those things will be drivers behind it, but it's, uh, you know, it could be anything, right? Yeah. We, we get some weird leads <laughs> for, for our clients, guaranteed.
1: That's cool, man. So so selfishly, on the other side, when you are talking about SEO. Like, so let's say, I mean, for I've had almost 260 podcast episodes now. I've been on other people's podcasts, social media posts two, three times a day. Like I, I bought a website and I have like the Nick 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 domain and I push Nick 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 everywhere. I feel like I've been doing it for years and years and years. Yet the SEO still isn't really like firing off where it should be. So, what are some like common mistakes or th- some things that you could be doing if your SEO isn't taking off to really make it catch on better? Like, what are some great SEO tips for things you might be doing right or wrong?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, and SEO is one of those things where, like, you know, you could spend you could spend like five years digging into all the different aspects and theories and stuff. So I try to keep it high level. Um, but there's a few things that really seem to matter when it comes to SEO. Um, the first one is going to be, is your website technically optimized? And when I say technically optimized, I mean, like, does it load quickly? Um, do you have the right header tags in the right place? you have a site map? Um, you, like, it's, it's all this stuff that's like, just computer stuff that you might not really see with your eye. But it's kind of like, how do you make sure that Google sees this and understands what it is, right? I think a technical SEO, like what it takes to be eligible, right? People think that you're gonna rank with this. You're not gonna rank with technical SEO only, but it will make you eligible. A great example of this is Carrot. I mentioned Trevor Mock before in Carrot, which is a great company building websites in the real estate investment space. People say, doesn't Carrot do SEO? Carrot does technical SEO, right? They make you so you're eligible, right? Google knows you exist. That still doesn't mean that you're gonna rank any higher than number six thousand on Google. <laughs> but at least you can be like number six thousand one instead of not there at all, right? Technical SEO makes you eligible. Um so if you don't have that, you can do everything else really well. and Google might not see you or care about you or index your pages. Um, beyond that, then there's gonna be the on-page content. So this is kind of like uh, like are you posting consistent blogs and stuff like that? Um, it's gonna be like pages targeted to certain locations um that sort of thing and and then the last thing is uh called off page seo and it's really what if, what exists about your company outside of just your website on the internet um you can think of google like a popularity contest let's take you back to high school for a minute right what makes somebody popular in high school it's that other people think that they are popular <laughs> right and then other people also think that because that other person thinks that um etc right So you can think of each of those people like a backlink. A backlink is a link from another website to your website, right? And you don't just link from websites to websites on the internet for no reason, right? If I link from my website to your website, I'm saying like there's something valuable here that I want people to be able to find that are searching on my website. Um, So those links from like my website to your website, for example, that's me kind of giving my vote to Google saying, I think Nick's got something going on there that's valuable enough for me to link to. Just like in high school, the more popular I am when I give that vote, the more popularity it brings to you, right? You could have all the dorks in the school all linking to you. It doesn't do anything for you, right? But then the one person that has a lot of influence, that makes a big difference, right? So so if I am considered really relevant authority, if I have a bunch of backlinks and then now i backlink to you, now I pass a lot of authority on to you or a lot of small ones makes a difference, et cetera. So if getting those, uh, the, the backlinks is uh, is kind of a, tricky game because it's uh, like real estate investors don't really have a natural reason for backlinking. Like you look at a lot of companies, they have things on their website that are worth linking to, or there's news stories and that passes on a lot of authority, et cetera. Most real estate companies don't really actually have anything super novel or interesting to link to on their websites because of the nature of it, right? Like nobody cares that Nick is buying houses um, except maybe the person that has to sell their house, but it's not like a big story. So you kind of have to build that network um, and some people do backlinking really well. Um, and it's it's not about the number. It's not just about the quality. It's like there's a whole bunch of aspects because people fake this too. Like right? you can go on Fiverr right now and buy like thirty thousand backlinks for thirty dollars, right? And they might actually hurt you because yeah. it looks so spammy, and Google knows that you're trying to black hat the system. So it's uh, it's not just in the game of like the number of them and, or like authority of them um uh, it's like it, there's a whole bunch of stuff about like how naturally is it generated and all that stuff but if you can create a good natural backlink profile consistently over time then that basically tells google that compared to other websites that also talk about the keywords and also are technically optimized etc which ones do we actually have the best faith in it's going to be the ones that seem to be really well integrated and other websites that we really trust seem to think that they're
1: relevant that's awesome, man. Really, again, really helpful stuff that I hadn't thought about. That you do a really good job of explaining it in a, a, a technical, a technical answer in a very lame and easy to understand way. So I, I use the analogy a lot like in jiu-jitsu. I, I go to jiu-jitsu and there's guys that can just kick my butt, but they can't teach me or explain to me how they did it you're doing an outstanding job of teaching something in a way that like most people, I don't think have a knack for explaining that other people can understand. So I don't know if you even know you do that, but it's, it's, it's extremely well received. And I, uh, I appreciate it. Cause in this specific topic, I feel like this and like asset protection are two times that I'll spend an hour <laughs> with somebody and I get off and I'm like, dude, I don't, I didn't learn a thing, but this has been really awesome, man. So you, you have a knack for that, man. It, it's, it's very appreciated. And uh, kudos to where it is. Cause a lot of people have been able to do that to me. I'm huh? very impressed.
0: Yeah, thank you, Nick. I've been doing it for five years, and I was not very good at it at the beginning. So I've had a lot of conversations where people glaze over and and slowly learned.
1: Fair enough. Well, I know we're getting tight on time, but the last thing I wanted to hit before we kind of give you some time to to talk about what you do with the how people can find you with the Bateman Collective, uh, Facebook and Instagram, man. So I was doing some Facebook marketing and it, it, it worked. I mean, I, I got a couple of deals. I didn't get a ton of deals, but the deals that I got were like six figure deals, man. It was awesome. And then they did that iOS update. And then the provider I was using kind of stopped and then I didn't feel comfortable throwing a lot of money in because I didn't really trust that they knew what they were doing yet. And I never really went back, but I heard you recently saying that you guys are, are a little bit back now on like the Facebook, Instagram stuff. And for people listening that doesn't mean that you click the boost ad button when you make a post on on Instagram. Like, so talk a little bit about like, man, social media ads, does that work right now? What are some pros and cons of it? Should we be doing Facebook and Instagram marketing?
0: Yeah, good, good question. Um, This is, I guess I'll give you kind of like the whole landscape of how performance has changed over time. Um, There was a time when you could target by zip code and like really granular interest and stuff like that. um, When a lot of people were doing well with Facebook ads, uh, believe it or not, the strategies that we found were working best at that time were not those strategies. We were targeting through different parameters, not that kind of stuff. Um, so then uh, in the fun political climate that we all love, uh, basically Facebook got sued because it was it was argued that this is discrimination, like in the in the context of equal opportunity housing regulations. If you were to have a housing ad that targets people in one zip code, but not in another zip code. Or people who have this one uh, age group, but not this other age group, or something like that. Um, so Facebook got super all that, so they tightened it all down. So so now, like specifically in this industry, you can't target by age and gender and other demographics and uh, by by uh, zip code and all that kind of stuff. And that's when a lot of people stopped getting success. Um, but the strategies that we were using, none of them got got uh, um, cut down when Facebook made this change. Um, because the, the strategies that we were using were all machine learning based. is a little bit different. So instead of telling Facebook, I talked before about brute forcing versus learning over time investment. I would say if you're just choosing just the age, gender, blah, 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 you're brute forcing your ROI, right? You're saying like, this is the person I want. Versus what we do is our whole system is based on, you mentioned it before, the closed loop data reporting. It's based on, can we see what happens with these leads? And can we communicate all that information back to Facebook? So Facebook can get smarter at finding us the right people, because even though they don't have those simple targeting criteria available anymore, they do have a lot of data on people and it can be predicted to help them find more of the right people. So what we do is like a lot of people would say, like find where the fish is and just tell them cast right there. What we would say is tell Facebook you have the whole ocean. However, Every time they catch a fish, you tell them they actually caught a fish, so they know. And then they start to learn, hey, if we fish in these areas, we tend to catch more fish, et cetera, and it gets smart over time. So, so that's the uh, that's the strategy that we use. And for years, even after the iOS shift, um, we were doing actually on average better with return on investment in Facebook than on Google. Um, granted, at much lower volume, because Facebook doesn't scale as much as Google does, so Google is still our leading service. Um, Over the past year, Facebook ad rates have increased a lot. Uh, A lot of people are saying the quality is junk. We still don't have that experience. Right now, it takes us about 25 Facebook leads to get to a deal on average for our clients. That number is 11 on Google. So the, uh, and when I'm sorry, not deal, contract. Um, From there, varying amounts fall through. Um, But the, uh, so you can see it's like, if you look at, say, cold call text, you're probably like 40, 60 leads a deal, the way a lot of people do it. Um, 25, not that bad, right? That's that's like (laughs) semi-inbound. 11 um, is like crazy good, but that's PPC. And that's just, that's what it's known for, right? It's just being so good um, on that level. So the Facebook lead quality is okay, but the cost has been going up recently. So it's kind of hit or miss per market. Like some of the, uh, some, because naturally if if it's going to take 25 leads per deal compared to 11 for Google, what's the cost going to be? And some markets are finding it's a third the cost and it's, you can get a better return on investment with it. Um, and then other times you're finding that it's, you know, the same cost per lead and it's just low quality leads. So what's the point? Um, so, so I think the name of the game with Facebook right now is that, uh, talk to an expert, like, like we know a lot about a lot of different markets and how it's performed for us. Like if we never had success with Facebook in the market, we won't recommend it. Um, but, but if we have, then, then it's good to be a little bit diversified and get some data about how Facebook's performing. Um, and then there are some things you can do on Facebook that are really cheap that do provide a good return. Um, one of the most common ones is retargeting. So on Google, you might spend thirty or fifty dollars to get someone to click on your ad. It's really expensive, but a high percentage of those end up converting. Um, but then some of them don't, right? Still, for every say four you have that convert, I'm sorry, one you have that convert, you have four that don't convert, um, and you already paid thirty to fifty dollars to get them. And then on Facebook, it can cost pennies to reach them with ads over and over again to try to get them to fill out the form. So, so there there are some good synergies like that where you like pay. You find the right people with google and then you target them with facebook after you have already found them and you can spend like a dollar a day on a really effective strategy like that on facebook it could be so cheap Um, but the cold traffic stuff is a little bit more hit or miss i'd say right now is the time where we've seen the biggest um the biggest leaning towards google above facebook that i've ever seen so we're recommending google more and more but facebook's still a really viable channel and in a lot of people that have had bad experiences um it is because they didn't have the right strategy on Facebook, and had they had the right strategy, it would have gone a lot better.
1: Fair enough. So all that kind of trickles down to, as a real estate investor, us trying to get that data together to be able to make those decisions. Like I would have to actually spend that money, and spend that time—six, nine, twelve months—and then go back and reflect and find out: Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? And then reshift and. It just would be a complete waste of time or resources and money when somebody like you already has that data. So how can we utilize you? How can people find you and work with you? How can you help them kind of cut that curve, cut that learning, and stop wasting money and time trying to figure out themselves and just go to the data source?
0: Yeah, great, great question. So the the easiest way to to do that, start with a discovery call, talk to my team, because we've talked in a lot of generalities now. But there's a lot of value to having somebody who knows this stuff talk about your specific situation and help you figure out what the right strategy for you is. So if you go to BatemanCollective.com, you just Google us Bateman Collective, uh, you'll find a you know form that uh, to, to schedule a discovery call. Um, you can schedule that um, and I talk with someone on my team and we'll go through any questions that you have and, and help you figure it out. Um, also another neat thing that we do that uh, add a ton of value is if you are in the enormous group of people who have tried this and failed um you know as well as i do nick that there's a lot of people we, we talk to people all the time who are like I, i've worked at like four other agencies please tell me this like has some chance of working i've been burned over and over and over <laughs> again um you know what i think people do wrong there is they just if you don't learn from your mistakes then you keep on making them right you just like it didn't work, but you don't know why it didn't work. And people sometimes think they do, but they're making up stuff, right? It's like it's because you know there are too many families. But when you really look at it, they have the same number of families as they typically would, or as somebody who's doing really success, doing a lot of uh, successful um, deals would, right? So having someone that really knows this take a look at your previous campaigns, if you have run them, to help you understand. Like I've, I've had conversations like that where we basically say, like this PPC was awesome and. You must be screwing something up in your sales because you have way too many, um, way too many leads for the number of deals that you have. Um, versus, and then they just try to find new PPC companies in order to fix the problem when when they're the problem, right? You don't want to be caught in that situation. Or, you know, we can see in your account like, oh yeah, you spent half your budget on this, and this is a complete waste of money. That's why you didn't get results, right? There's there's different things that we could find through this process. So we do a free consult on that. We'll we'll uh, dig through your accounts and and provide an action plan of what we would do to improve the results and it's a it's a pretty neat experience so so yeah if you haven't done it before consult if if you want to better understand where you may have gone wrong before um you can schedule that audit and it's both in the same place just paymentcollected.com and and reach out for the discovery call to get everything started
1: awesome man obviously that'll be in the show notes for sure and then as far as uh, your podcast your social media stuff how do people connect with you as well
0: yeah, a great question. Uh, we do have a podcast called Collective Clicks. Um, it's a podcast that goes, uh, it, it's focused mostly on marketing for real estate investors. So a little bit more niche than I'd say most in, in the space with, of course, an emphasis on digital marketing. So we interview people that are marketing experts. Uh, I talk with like my product team and we'll go through and we just, we peel back the curtain and show everybody everything we do. It's, it's always been my philosophy that if they see it, they will never do it. Most. Uh, <laughs> Like if you you really, really know what an expert does, it's like, oh no, that's not for me, (laughs) right? Um, So, so uh, anyways, but we'll we'll share everything, right? So if if anybody's interested in that, we talk about that stuff. We talk with our clients that are that have certain strategies that are working for them and dig through it. So that's really neat. Um, And then I'm, uh, you can find me like on Facebook, for example, Brandon Bateman. Send me a friend request, whatever, whatever you want. Uh, Always happy to connect.
1: Awesome, man. We, social media has been awesome too, man. I've been watching all this stuff. You've been posting, got some A players coming on your podcast. And I, I very much appreciated this. And again, I can't apologize enough. I screwed this whole thing up and you were a total class active on coming on and uh, just being really cool about that, man. So I very much appreciate it, man. I was impressed with you from the second I heard you pick up the mic at, uh, at the Family Mastermind. And I was like, I need to connect with that guy. Very happy I did. I'm going to connect with you on the side for my own business as well. Anybody looking to get their their growth going, whether it's SEO, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, PPC, all that kind of stuff, I highly recommend you reach out to them as well. You, sir, bring your A game to everything you do, and this has been no different in this interview. You definitely bought your A game. I appreciate it. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your day, sir? No,
0: just just that you're a good hype man. Um, <laughs> I think all I, need, all I need is just for you to follow me around on a daily basis. I think it'll help my conversations in general. So I'm nice, very man. appreciative. Of, Anytime, uh, man.
1: Well, you, you know, it's funny because when we started out, I was like, man, is there anything I could do for you? And like, just tell people how awesome I am. And we kind of laugh, but at the end of this, I have to say genuinely, dude, you're freaking awesome. Like that was that was one of the most helpful PPC discussions I have ever had. And I've had a bunch of them, dude. And like that just shed a lot of light on stuff and cleared a lot of things up, a lot of misconceptions. I feel like I have a better understanding than I've ever had on this because of that last hour, man. So you are freaking awesome. And I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time today. Brandon Bateman, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day.